guys, it is Tristan with Nerdats Newsstand, and we are going to, well, you know about my tokenism video, right? We're kind of in a similar ballpark, but please bear with me. We're going to talk about legacies and mantles, what they really are, and more importantly, why they are important. So, first of all, some people like to conflate the two terms as being one and the same. They are not. They can be, but not always are connected. A mantle is pretty much the title or sometimes even a costume that one wears. A mantle can and has been passed on to others, be it permanently or temporary. A legacy is more of the spirit of the person, what they leave behind how they are remembered, etc., etc., etc. Right? So a person can carry on a legacy without needing to don a mantle, although doing so can help, right? So now let's take a look at a few examples being passed down that honored the legacy. First off, Dinah Lance taking over for her mother as Black Canary. That's been in place for a long time. Until New 52, she was always a legacy that carried on a mantle. A Green Lantern is another. Another can be a Green Lantern, right? Or other lanterns, so as long as they are worthy. You can dislike individual lanterns, yes, but that doesn't mean they taint the whole lanterns, the whole core as a whole, right? So now as far as passing down mantles, among some of the big names in comics like Spider-Man, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Flash, Superman, Batman, or even Wonder Woman. Oh, there can be multiple factors to it, right? So are the creators doing it to tell a story? Nine times out of ten, I would say the answer is yes. Is the person taking the mantle established well enough before they take over? Again, usually that is the case, but not always. We're going to talk about one specifically. Will the original character come back? With one, technically two exceptions, the answer is guaranteed yes, right? So also four, after the original returns, usually the replacement would have some staying power, either for short term or it, the long term. It just depends. So let's take a look at a few more examples. Wonder Woman has been replaced at, at least twice, technically, three times, but that third one was so short that it doesn't really count. So first, during the 90s, the stories was um, that they found other tribes of Amazon. They held a contest, but Diana lost to Artemis, who became the new edgier. <laughs> I love Artemis. Wonder Woman for a while. Artemis was introduced in Wonder Woman 90 just before she took over the mantle. So yeah, not a lot of time to introduce her, but... Like others examples we'll give later on, this isn't a case of where we focus entirely on her. Her having the mantle of Wonder Woman was more to give a reason to remove it from Diana and see how she responds to it from Wonder Woman 94 through Wonder Woman 100. Artemis was Wonder Woman. And we see most of the world and the League reject her due to her tactics being so un-Diana-like. Eventually, 
Artemis did die in Wonder Woman 100 and passed the mantle then back to Diana. But this wasn't the end, given how Artemis is so beloved to this day. She would come back from the dead and become Wonder Woman uh, mainstay basically ever since. Go on with the outlaws and and da-da-da-da-da, right? So the second time was when um, Hippolyta took over after Diana died during Burns Run. Again, it was a story more for Byrne to use Hippolyta as a means to bring back Wonder Woman during the time with the JSA by having it be that she got sent in time and fought with the JSA back then before coming back to the present. So eventually Diana was restored and became Wonder Woman once again. Once again, there was a story. There was a reason. Diana was still there. Um, She had become the goddess of truth during that time, right? And it was inevitable she would be back. So Hippolyta was around before this event and then stuck around afterwards. For the record, the third time was Donna Troy, but all we saw of it was um, the start of the post-Infinite Crisis run, but it was only for an issue or two. So that was my little technicality there, right? So Thor, let's talk about Thor. Thor has had two direct replacements. First was during the 90s when uh, Eric Masterson became Thor. Why is that? Well, a bunch of insanity kind of occurred. The two merged, then separated, then Thor himself was banished, then Eric was in the driver's seat and could switch back and forth. The point was to put a normal person in the power of Thor, minus the God stuff, right? Like it originally was way back in the early days, but like before, This was a story Tom DeFalco had in mind and lasted from Thor 405 to Thor 458. So it lasted a good couple years. Eventually, they did get separated and Eric would become Thunderstrike. Eric, while not as beloved as Artemis, still had his fans, right? So then there's Jane Foster. Everybody freak out. Then there's Jane Foster as Thor or Lady Thor. This one is complicated. I would definitely say it's complicated. It's clear that Jason Aaron had a story to tell, and it was part of the buildup for the Battle of the Realms. And Jane was a well-established character. He also introduced a clever problem um, with her being Thor, right? She had cancer, and every time she changed, her cancer treatment would be nullified. And it would continue to risk her dying sooner. And the problem came from, uh, one, making Thor a title and not his name. Hence, why he'd go just by Odinson for a while, right? And yet claim Lady Thor is the real Thor. Yeah. And two, having the hammer be sentient and claim to prefer Jane over Thor. Yeah, stuff like that. Are, are, are not ways to make excuses to justify the change or ignore the prior details um, because because you want to keep her called Thor. Yeah. OK. Now, Jane Thor lasted a good while. The, the usual length of most of these replacements lasted before eventually Thor himself returned uh, as well as we knew he would. Right. So let's talk about Superman. 
Superman until the current stuff with John Kent and a very, very brief three-issue arc by Mr. Majestic had only been truly replaced once by four different characters. And as you totally heard in my Dan Jurgens interview, and if you haven't, go. what are you waiting for? Go listen to it. Go, go, come back. Time slot, remember. Okay, now that you're back. Uh, with my Dan Jurgens interview, Reign of <laughs> Superman came about when they couldn't find a definite way to bring back Superman. So they decided to go with all four of their pitches, then figure out how to bring the real deal back to deal with the four. What we got was two new mainstays in Superboy, Connor Kent, and Steel. Lovely, amazing characters. We'd also get a new villain in Cyborg Superman, and the fourth Superman was the Eradicator. He was already introduced to us before this, um, but what we got was a great story and eventually bought, brought back that real deal in Superman, right? So Spider-Man has been replaced three times, one of which was, for its universe, permanent. Obviously, Miles Morales uh, took over the ultimate universe after that Peter Parker died. But what made that work wasn't, uh, it was that he wasn't a Peter Parker clone, but Peter's existence was essential for him. He became his own character and served a purpose. It, it being part of the ultimate universe where they didn't have to follow those mainstream universe 616 gave Miles an advantage in that situation. Even um, when he met mainstream Peter during Spider-Man, it showcased the difference between the two. Now, technically... Spider-Man 2 revealed the Ultimate Universe was reborn and Peter is alive again there, but nothing um, has been done with it ever since that little mini, so we're going to forget about that. The two mainstream cases were when Peter was replaced uh, were both different. Obviously, there was the Clone Saga where Peter was replaced with Ben Riley, who was supposed to be the real deal and the Peter we knew was the clone, but he was still called Ben Riley. Yeah, um, there's been so much different ideas thrown about that clone saga. It's hard to tell if it was Ben was always meant to be temporary or he was meant to be permanent, but we had a back door. Whatever the case, Ben was Spider-Man for a while. We had built up to him taking the mantle and he lasted a decent amount of time. People still remember Ben fondly looked at as one of the few things in the clone saga because while he was a literal Peter clone, the events that happened to him after the original clone saga were different enough to give him his own identity. He's supposedly taking the mantle back again. Again, it's made clear that it's temporary, but after Spencer's run, but there's been so many Ben Riley's. Who knows what is actually going on yet? So then there was Doc Ock taking over Peter's body and Peter himself dying in Ock's body. This was done very differently from the other replacement mantle examples that I use because he's still, it's still Peter Parker's body, right? But Doc Ock is in that driver's seat. And we know it's Doc Ock, but the rest of the world doesn't. This allowed us kind of to see the um, Ock develop as a different character. 
how he changes Peter's life for better, for worse, and in the end, sacrifices himself so Peter can somehow take over again. And after that, we actually see Peter deal with the world Ak left for him and, and plays off what was set up, right? It was all part of Dan Slott's story. Say what you will about the man, but at least he, he had a he had a decent long-term plan. And it, it just wasn't executed that well. Okay, so Iron Man has been replaced twice as well. There was Rhodey taking over for Tony after he lost his company and fell off the wagon. Rhodey was well-established before all of this. So him taking over for Tony felt like a natural fit. Now, that makes this diff what makes this difference is that a uh, only the audience, Tony, and a very few select others knew it was Rhodey within the suit. This was back before Tony was public, even among his fellow heroes, right? Again, save for a select few. So all of the characterization for Rhodey was purely about the pressure of him being Iron Man, but not how the world saw him outside of his actions in the suit, of course, right? Eventually, Tony was back in the suit. From uh, then on, Rhodey eventually would become, right, War Machine. And then let's talk about the second one. Everybody's favorite. I know you love it. Riri. Oh, boy. Riri is, uh, is one of those examples of the mantle being passed down that really, really, and I mean really, didn't work. And it felt so forced and shoehorned. It literally hurt. First of all, Riri was introduced. Then we were told how smart she was. A and she could somehow just know how to hack into, you know, alter Tony's armor. Okay. Just because she could. Tony takes her under his wing. Then Civil War II both killed off Rhodey and put Tony in a coma, which she never woke up from. And Riri would take over as Iron Man. People would show for her, saying how amazing she was. How amazing she was. And yet, very little was shown of that. It was also, in this case, unknown when or if Tony would come back. Spoilers. Technically, he would, or the AI construct based off of him, and it would take longer uh, still before that AI construct would gain a new body and officially be reborn as Tony. But there never felt like there was much of a long-term story plan for her other than her having his armor. It was just the adventures of Riri Williams. Now, after Bendis was done with her, after... She was humiliated by Thanos and a different writer came on board. She'd become Ironheart uh, and she would become a much better, better and well-handled character. But honestly, for that one, why did it take so long? So let's talk about Captain America. Captain America has had Steve Rogers in and out of the costume quite a bit. There was a time when he became Nomad, for example, but there were three times people... Uh, Remember Strongest, the Captain America storyline that had John Walker as Captain America and Steve as the captain. A lot of Falcon in the Winter Soldier, you know, took from this storyline. Now, Walker was introduced in this story. But like Wonder Woman, here we had both Steve and Walker operating on their own at the same time. So it allowed us to still get the adventures of Steve 
and get to know more about Walker. And here the government wants Steve to actually work for them to pay off built back up taxes, back taxes, real, real classy America. <laughs> and, and Steve refuses and gives up the title. It's later given to Walker, who is a more hardcore Captain America. Mark Grindenwald had a story to tell. And by the end, it's revealed the Red Skull was behind things. Steve and John fight. And in the end, Steve is cap again. And Walker then becomes what we know him as U.S. agent. People have enjoyed Walker. And of course, he appeared on Disney Plus, too. I love the character. Um, I think it's a great version, whether you're looking at Falcon and the Winter Soldier or you're looking in the comics. I really do like John Walker as a character. So next was Bucky taking over as Cap after Steve was killed post-Civil War. Again, this was planned from the start and Ed Brubaker used this to continue Bucky's character growth. By the end, Steve was back, but Bucky stayed Cap for a while and eventually Steve donned that shield again, right? So then comes Fat. Falcon Cap, and this one had a good idea. Um, Steve was aged up, and Falcon took over, and for a while, it had a good plan. Even when Steve was restored, it was fine having two Caps, but it was also clear that there was no set story initially. Things came to a head with the lead-up to Secret Empire, and of course, uh, that came out after the fact. Things were okay, but... It was also clear political hijacked uh, uh, things that went on, right? So not re level bad, but, but just not great either. Then there was Batman. Bruce has been replaced for a long period of time twice, once for a very short period of time. Uh, the first time was, of course, Asriel. The writers knew that they were going to do this. The story was set up for Asriel for about a year beforehand, right? And at the same time, Dick was sent to team up with the Titans. So Nightfall happened. And of course, Azrael takes over. Why? Well, this was to answer the question of what don't we get? Why don't we get a um, more hardcore Batman, right? And, and that's where Azrael was. It was making it clear to readers why they shouldn't get what they want. As time went on, we see Bruce start to regain the ability to walk, and it was soon uh, made clear he would be back. He was, and Azrael would still stick around for a long time afterwards, still to this day. Um, for a brief time after Nightfall, Dick took over as Batman um, during the Prodigal storyline. This was done to celebrate Dick being allowed back at the Bat office <laughs> after so long being held hostage with the Titans. He took over while Bruce fully uh, recuperated, and then he was back to being Nightwing. The second time Dick took over was after the Batman R.I.P. Final Crisis, where Bruce was believed dead. Um, we obviously, as the readers knew otherwise, the point of this was to, one, allow Batman and Robin to happen where Morrison could give uh, could have Dick be the Batman Damien needed to be the Robin so he could grow as a character and to allow us to have a different Batman on the board for a while. This also allowed the idea of multiple Batman to exist, making the concept of Batman Inc. a little easier to swallow, 
right? Again, it was clear Bruce would be back and eventually Dick would be back as Nightwing. Although people really did enjoying Dick being heart, um, Batman and, and he felt like he earned it. So, oh, and, and lest we forget, we have Jace, the next Batman coming soon. I know we didn't talk much about John Kent as Superman, but this one has just started. Here we really have a buildup. It's really giving out the Riri Williams vibe. The only difference is Jace is a, well, is an established character, right? That's been treated as a blank slate. He's being shilled out to no end. He doesn't have much of a character. And outside of the future state, it's clear so far anyway, his story is running parallel to what's going on in the main Bat books. And he's not a part of it. Who knows where they'll go with it if they've got a plan, if, big if. They own, the only relief is right now, at least, is that Bruce is still around. So lastly, there is Flash, not counting Wallace West taking over as Wally. That was another universe version. Wally has uh, taken over for Barry, right? And is one of the few times a replacement was permanent or at least intended to be and allowed the character to grow and fulfill the idea of a sidekick taking over the man uh, mantle or for the mentor. Wally became everyone's favorite Flash. Not me, but everyone else's. And to this day, is still considered by many to be the main Flash, even when Barry is around. Now, if you look over all of those, you may notice something. Majority of those, majority, were well-regarded and well-loved and met the criteria. The only exception here was Riri and later parts of Falcon Cap and Jace, right? So everything else, while they may have had some rocky executions, were well regarded, or at least the character is still held in high regard in the case of something like Ben Riley. And almost all the characters that were created to be replacements have still been well recognized. Even Riri, who's gotten better, but I still think that initial not doing well really cripples that character but most of the time it is in well regard so where does this go to tokenism well all of the shows all of the shows us that well again say for riri falcon cap and jace all of them had stories to tell the changing of the mantle was never meant to be permanent nor did they try to make it seem like it would ever be permanent and the stories were well told and well read with those three exceptions. Those are cases, in my opinion, of forced diversity coming in and being the story instead of the characters. Being the story they wanted to tell, not the characters. They wanted to put in a replacement that was better than the original just because they were black. And that's it. No story. No nothing. And in the case of Falcon Cap, there was a story that got derailed Oh, uh, when Rick Remender left and went into forced territories with Spencer during the cap run. So I hope you get what I'm trying to say and understand now that it's not always necessarily just to dump on things or make mantle changes or legacies. There have been far more hits than there have been misses. And once again, because I have to repeat myself, they were never permanent, never, ever permanent and never will be. So anyways, let me know, of course, what you think, and I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.